Welcome to episode 77 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC anime universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And we're both dragging a little bit today. It, it is a beautiful Sunday morning, uh, but it is also the day after WonderCon. Yep. Which is a shitload of walking, mm-hmm. but also really damn fun. It was so much. It, this was a great WonderCon. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, I missed last year's. I haven't you did. Been, I, I haven't been in two years. It was but. fine. The big thing I've noticed about WonderCon for the people who haven't been is um, it's really fun, but there's not a lot to like experience, I guess is the right way to put it. Like, there's yeah, a lot of great panels. Yeah. There's a lot of great <clears throat> booths, but unlike comic, unlike San Diego Con or E3 or any of the other big cons uh, that have like experience things you can do, like, you know, like uh, you get to see tree, like, previews of things or have some kind of interactive booth my brain is not working yeah i mean yeah like we got to play a bit of uh rampage at the rampage booth the the one button rampage the one button rampage game but otherwise yeah there wasn't a lot yeah there wasn't a lot of stuff to do Mm -hmm. and i even found that the the layout of the floor was kind of weird i'm just used to san diego where it's just one massive thing and you can you can actually kind of drift with like some sense of direction from one end to the other. Yeah. Whereas here, just because it was spread out in disparate places, it was just a little, little weird, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's definitely one you can just basically do in a day. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was, it was still super fun though. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. awesome. And a little bit less crowded than San Diego too. Which oh, is infinitely nice. less crowded. Um, we got to see lost in space a little early. We did. Yeah. We got to watch the first episode. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Cameron slept through <laughs> some of it. I had an early morning. You I did. wanted to enjoy it. I did yeah. enjoy the parts that I got to see. Yeah, no, it was good. Uh, yeah, well, I guess we'll talk about that more when it actually uh, airs mm-hmm. in April. But yeah, no, that was cool. Um, got to have our first fan meetup. We had our first fan meetup. With Cameron yeah. Miller. Great seeing him. Yes, that Great was so with exciting. for a little bit. Um, yeah, we got to go to Disneyland. Well, not actually Disneyland. Just get we got drunk. to walk through <laughs> Disney. <laughs> got to walk through Disney and get drunk at Trader Sam's. Yep. Never been. That was super fun. We caught the last like 10 minutes of the Ready Player One interview. Yeah, where they said way too much about the movie that neither of us wanted to know. Um, and Ben Mendelsohn was just being all kinds of crazy and hilarious. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, we met up with a bunch of old friends that we hadn't seen This in a is while. true. Yeah, old friends from, from Nerdist back, mm-hmm. in, back when we first met Cameron. It is, it's, it's sentimental, to be honest. Way back in the day, yeah. No, it was, uh, it was super fun. What I was surprised by, though, I didn't really feel like there were any big announcements at WonderCon. I guess maybe people were... I feel like they don't usually do big announcements at WonderCon. Yeah, you think, you think there'd be like something, at least. I mean, I know there were screenings of... Um, was it Batman Ninja, Batman Samurai, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Suicide Squad Hell to Pay? I, I, we didn't see other one of those. It was run Friday. Um, but yeah, no, no, I was disappointed. I was hoping that like some sort of news would come out and then we'd be able to talk about it right away and <laughs> nothing happened. No, I feel like WonderCon is just kind of like it's big for us since it's here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's any different from like like Emerald City was last week. It's probably about the, no, that's two true. weeks ago. It's probably yeah. the same size as that. You have C2E2 in a couple weeks, which is a Chicago con. Oh, yeah. Um, Casey Con is getting bigger and bigger. It's Casey Con. Uh, Kansas City Comic Con. Oh. Sorry, I, I have okay. my own shorthand for every con. Because <laughs> well, I'm so tired of saying San Diego Comic Con, so I just say San Diego Con now. It's just oh. a convention to celebrate San Diego. That's true. I mean, that's what I do now when I go down there. I just yeah. I just love the fact that I'm in San Diego. Mm-hmm. I've got my list of bars and restaurants. Yep. I'll, I'll maybe hit a panel or two. <laughs> Otherwise... 
Um, San Diego. Yeah, no, this is just like I, I call this. I call WonderCon the little brother of Comic Con because yeah, it's just fair. like it's, it's just it's just happy to be there. Yeah, no, it was pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think news wise, what's worth talking about here? Nothing. Uh, nothing. Well, I mean, hang on. One little thing. Not little thing. One pretty huge thing. Black Panther now the highest grossing superhero movie in the U.S. That's crazy. Of all time. Yeah. Beating out the Avengers, which in turn had beat out the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. As of recording, it's sitting at a hundred and six. Sorry, six hundred and thirty million. Yeah, five week at the top of the box office. Only just got beat out by Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. But even then, Pacific Rim only brought in like was it like twenty five million or something like that. Yeah, not great. No, but you I mean, have a great trailer come out this week, which I'm very excited for. Deadpool two. I was going to talk about tag. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm equally mean, excited for both. excited, yeah. I mean, no, go ahead and talk about Tag. Tag talk looks about tag, amazing. Cameron. It's apparently based <laughs> off a real story. Yeah, which is kind of nuts. About, I guess, three friends that have been playing a very competitive game of Tag for 30 years. I love it. Which sounds amazing. Yeah. It makes me rethink my friendships with everyone. As you should. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like the most stacked cast of amazing and funny people. All right, so it's... John Hamm, mm-hmm. Hannibal Burris, yep. Ed Helms, yeah, uh, Jeremy TV. Renner. Easier, yeah. Um, which I love. Have you seen the theories that this is um, the Hawkeye prequel? Oh my god! Because <laughs> he says he's retiring, and people are like, "Oh, he's retiring to go be Hawkeye." He's gonna go out and live on a farm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it looks. It does look actually really, really fun. Mm-hmm. It's like one of those rare big budget all star cast studio comedies yeah. that actually looks pretty solid. Jake Johnson, Jake Johnson, oh God, Jake Johnson. Rashida Jones, yeah. I, uh, Isla Fisher. Oh my God. Hannibal Burris. Um, so much. So too many people. Yeah. No, it's going to be amazing. I'm, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, no, excited for that. And then, of course, also excited for the Deadpool 2. Oh, yeah. Movie, trailer, all of it. It looks just ridiculous and fun. It looks like what I want it to be. Right. Um, and again, I'm just going to run with the confidence on this just because it's David Leach directing and he... Wait, did he do... Oh, shit. He did the first John Wick. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. I think... I feel like he did the second one. Or no, I think... Is it Chad Stahelski did the second John Wick so that David Leach could go off and do Atomic Blonde? David Leach... Uh we're we just doing directed. Yeah, just oh, directed. They actor. co-directed the first one, but then they they separate off the other projects. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember if Atomic he t- Blonde, a uh, Deadpool short, and John Wick. Okay, so he didn't only do three things. John Wick two. He did not. Okay, well, because John Wick two was exactly what I wanted from John Wick two. Right. And so I was kind of hoping, but I still think it's gonna be good. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty damn excited for it. It looks absurd. There's X Force in it. He produced John Wick two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course he would. Um, yeah. Th- I mean. We, I mean, there's not really much to talk about. It, it's exactly what we want in a Deadpool movie. Yeah, just go. X Force. Don't listen to us talk about it. Just go watch the damn trailer. Yeah, we also didn't take notes on it, so no, because <laughs> we slapped the notes together right at the last minute. Yep. Um, we kind of know the plot of the movie now, which is interesting. Yeah. So it sounds like Cable is coming from the future to kill the the kid, kid from, from Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. I'm down. Yeah, looks great. Mm-hmm. I'm on board. Yep. Bring it on. Bring it on soon. All or nothing? Yeah. <laughs> wait, I don't want to get that till like July, though, do we? <clears throat> yeah. Damn it. I don't want to wait that long. And we have plenty of stuff to fill the time. Yeah, this is true. We already player one. We got Infinity War. We got Ant-Man and Wasp. I think it's before then. We got Incredibles. Right there. Oh. 
Ah, so many. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this is something that you will be excited about. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, that while doing press for Ready Player One, Spielberg said that Tintin 2 is, in fact, not dead. <gasps> He's just really insistent that Peter Jackson do the second one. And okay. they haven't, so they haven't really started the script yet. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but even from the point they start the script, that's such a long shooting process. Does an is, animation is, process? Does Spielberg see himself as immortal? Because I do. I mean, I don't know how. Uh, yeah, I think he must be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. You know what he has? What? He's got the Holy Grail. That's true. Yeah, <clears throat> he does. Yeah. He also has ET's finger. He just. That'll continually heal him. Yeah, because it's amazing how much work he still puts out and how yeah. many projects he's still attached to. So, I mean... And so it, was, it was great hearing the cast of Ready Player One talk about him. Yeah. And, like, uh, the main guy... Ty Sheridan. Yeah. Uh, he had a great story about the first time they were in mocap. Um, and Spielberg, like, told the whole cast to, to leave just him. The whole cast and crew to just leave yeah. him and Ty. Um and Spielberg pulls his phone out, and he's like, I need you to do the strut from uh, Saturday, Night, Saturday Fever. Night Fever. The John Travolta strut. Yeah. Uh, and so Steven Spielberg pu- pulls out his phone and starts playing the Bee Gees. The, yeah, the song, <laughs> and like struts over to Ty and just goes, action. <laughs> and I'm like, that is, if it was any other person, that would be creepy. It would be, but it's just when it's Spielberg, it's not. It's like, I imagine it in my head and i hope it's exactly as it's played out yeah i well and what's so what was so interesting about that panel is that spielberg was noticeably absent so it yeah. was ernest klein and zach <clears throat> penn the two writers the the main cast um including mendo um and all the questions were just about spielberg well, i mean because you he you can't escape the shadow of his work and it's weird to call it a shadow because that sort of has like negative implications but just like his impact on cinema is insane yeah like they were talking about that that the the book itself pulls so many references from work all of his work not directing producing mm-hmm. everything and that he was always trying to kind of keep that down and everyone else is trying to put it back in there because you can't basically have a movie that's about like kind of 80s nostalgia with tons of 80s nostalgia without without touching yeah, on everything 80s. that he's worked on yeah um yeah just what what a fascinating guy and like they were talking about just he'll just start telling stories about shooting jaws or going mm-hmm. motorcycle riding with steve mcqueen oh You're like my god. my god this man is so awesome it's too much oh i know he's on a whole different level i know he's his best friend lucas who just shows up onto the set to give him shit for using digital cameras mm-hmm. it all sounds amazing like right. he's so amazing that like secondhand stories from people that have just worked with him are still in fact well amazing. i think like i think ready player one is so fascinating for spielberg to be a part of because um Halloway, who is kind of the like the god figure yeah. of Ready Player One, like I see that as Spielberg almost. Yeah, like Halliday is this person that had every connection. He was on such a different level from the world. That's basically what Spielberg is. Like he is this person that every single person in the world knows. Yeah, like there, like you ha- you have actors that are <clears throat> that are kind of there. Like you have your Tom Cruise's, your Jolies, your Beyonces. Yeah. Um, and like they are household names, and people see them like on another plane. But then you have Spielberg, who is like God, like every every single person who is alive has has grown up with his movies in one way or another. Yeah, I think it, like you know people often say like that, um, like 
there's some percentage of the population that has seen a James Bond movie at some point because mm-hmm. there have been 24 of them. Yeah. I think Spielberg's the same way. It's probably a higher percentage of that, too, because yeah. he's just worked on so many things. And that was... We'll, we'll stop talking about this in a second. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. We just, oh, no, this is the podcast. <laughs> this is no. the Spielberg podcast, yeah. Um, Third-hand well, stories about Steven Spielberg. One of my one of my favorite things that, they, that happened in, the, in that interview was, in the panel, was um, the moderator asking the simple question of, what's your favorite Spielberg movie? Mm-hmm. Um, and the cast aged between, you know, Mendelssohn to the guy playing, sh- the kid playing Shoto, who's maybe like 12, 13. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. Shoto is the younger brother. I, I, uh, Kaido and Shoto. I've only read the book once and I read about a year ago. So. Okay. Um, and so hearing the difference between the two age groups, like, cause he, uh, cause everyone pretty much said like either, um, like Indiana Jones. Yeah. E.T. E.T. thrown out there. Uh, but then Shoto is like Tintin. Tintin's like, great. That's right, because that's what you grew up with. Yeah. And that's so crazy that like that is like there are still kids like now who are now just getting introduced to Spielberg in such different films. You're gonna have in the next five years, you're gonna have a kid be like, oh, BFG was my favorite. No one's ever gonna say BFG is their favorite Spielberg Probably film. Not. No. Right. <laughs> Even by your generous love of movies, you didn't like that one. I did not like the. I also slept through BFG. It was pretty bad. It had one good sequence. Uh, Surrounded by a dozen fart jokes. Yeah, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, so Ready Player One, super excited for that. Yeah. Um, all right, I have one last little bit of news, unless you have something really big you want to talk about. Uh, been... I, I want to talk about the, briefly, because we don't okay. have much information yet, yeah. uh, Marvel Land. Oh, Disney right. announced that in California, Disney California Adventure over at over on our side of the Disney parks, uh, they're removing Bugs Land, mm-hmm. which is kind of sad because it's a really cute area. It's a cute area, but no one goes there. I know. Well, you you leave your kids there, and that's what's nice. Is I don't it think you in- leave your kids there. I think you go there with your kids because the line for cars is three hours, yeah, and they can't go on screaming or. Yeah. Guardians well, of the it's, Galaxy, it's the kids, so you go yeah. to Bugs Land because you have nowhere else to go. It's the younger area for DCA. Yes. Uh, because DCA is a lot more teen to adult centered. Yes. Um, so they announced that Bugs Land is now leaving at the end by the end of the year, and by 2020, we're going to get Marvel Land, finally, yeah. which is interesting because I'm excited. I mean, it's not surprising. No, not at all. At all. Like, they're... They're leaning in real hard on their intellectual property mm-hmm. these days. We, we were joking about this. That at some point, they're just going to rename California Venture to like inter- intellectual what, what property was the, park. What was the one that I said? Um, Disney, Disney company, corporate. Disney company affiliates. Yeah, Disney company affiliates. Yeah, let's keep the name. Keep the acronym. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because at this point, it's going to be all Pixar. It's going to be all Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, Star Wars is across the way over at yeah. Disneyland. But yeah. you, it's interesting to see because when DCA first arose it was supposed to be a condensed california yeah and they're quickly trying to escape that name well because it never really worked for them right um like even so way back in the day they actually in front of california venture they had a massive california sign so they just had like oh really huge like 10 foot tall letters out across the entrance that just spelled out california 
I remember because when I was there with my family, my brother and I squatted down on either side of the eye to make like a giant penis. Nice. And made my mom take the photo. Nice. It was, it was delightful. Um, but yeah, they, they've moved away from that a lot. I mean, because you walk in there, it's like, oh, you got the LA section and there's like Napa Valley with the winery and the Russian River, the water rapid ride and all this mm-hmm. other sort of stuff. And they've really quickly just like pulled away from that. Yeah. Because it just, it, it it's an interesting idea, but it never panned out. And the most successful stuff they put in there has usually been the branded stuff. So cars and the whole cars land turning over Pixar pier. Cause I think at this point the, um, the toy story ride is probably the most popular one on the pier. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's also biased because I make you ride it every time. Yeah, but I love the ride. Yeah. I'm <laughs> terrible at it. I love that. ride. <laughs> you beat me every time. It's okay. It's fine. I practice a lot. It's, you do practice a lot, but it's fine. Cause I've beaten you on Buzz Lightyear before. That's true. Yes, that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, a, I'm, I'm sure we'll get more information as the year goes on, and I'm sure I'll excitedly talking about it. I know. Excitingly talk about it. So what? Okay, one last thing to tie it back to to DC. And back to Spielberg. Back to Spielberg, of course. Uh, tie back to DC. So they're doing a new run of Justice League comics. Okay. And the new lineup is essentially the lineup from the Justice League show. So they're bringing in Hawk Girl, they're bringing in John Stewart Green Lantern rather oh, than Hal Jordan. Oh, the DCAU. Uh, yes. Okay, show. What show did you think I meant? I, I, uh, I mean, we have Justice League action on right now. No, it was the Justice League TV movie from back in 97. So yeah. it's Fire, Super Ice, Friends. Guy Gardner, The Flash. Yeah, the best set. Uh, Martian Manhunter. <laughs> Yeah. There have been multiple Justice League. I know lots- this, this. I know we're on a podcast <laughs> that only talks about one of them. Yeah. Well, it's certainly not going to be the uh, the lineup from the movie because yeah, that, that was where my brain went first. Yeah, that's that's uh, uh, recently revealed that as the lowest grossing DCEU movie yet. Woo! You did yeah, it, guys. You did it. Well done. Quick little round of applause out there for for everyone at Warner Brothers and their beautiful Justice League movie. Um, it's okay. They're going to make it all back with Krypton. Oh my god. <laughs> Actually, that looks kind of interesting. Uh, we, we, I'll save that for another talk. Their, their version of Brainiac looks pretty cool. But anyways, mm-hmm. yeah. So it, the uh, it's cool that like that lineup would come back uh, in the comics. That's awesome. So I might read it. I probably won't. You know my stance on that. You, I'll read yeah, it. you won't read anything. <laughs> so <laughs> you won't read a goddamn street sign, much less a comic book. No, that's why I so. use maps. That's why I use Google Maps. I don't have to read street it's signs. The, it's the audiobook version of reading a street exactly. sign. <laughs> God damn it. All right. Well, shall we uh, finally now get into our topic at hand? I guess so. Our, our episodes of the week, um, which were fine. I would, yeah. I would I would call them both middle of the road. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think this is one of my least favorite Catwoman episodes. Actually, that's yeah. not true because we have the one where she turns into a cat. Mm. Yeah. Well, any sort of animal transformation episode <laughs> in any medium is bad. Actually, hang on. No, it. Well, that's his question now. Uh, I mean, man bat. Okay, man bat. But can you like can you really name any great animal transformation storylines in television or film? I'm sure animorphs uh, does not count. Animorphs. I was gonna go Wonder <laughs> Twins first. Okay, you no, know I'll give you the Wonder Twins because they're deliberately kind of ridiculous and campy. Yeah, and one of them turns into a bucket of water. So I'll give you the Wonder um, Twins. But they're like characters. They're not really like an. Uh, a, an arc, a story. There's one. I know there's one specific one that I can't think of right now. I know now. people generally love an American Werewolf in London, mm-hmm. right? But I haven't actually seen that, so I can't speak to that what one specifically. Shows have have, have transferred. 
I mean, uh, there was Teen Wolf. Digimon Frontier, the fourth oh, season of Digimon, which no one likes except me. <laughs> this is not like most things, though. Yeah. Um. Oh, gosh. Uh, Wolf Children. Oh, What the fuck Wolf is Children Wolf is, Children? It's one of the greatest anime films of all time. Jesus Christ. It's so... You have to watch it, Chris. It's... it. So okay, wait, hang on. Is quick, it one of the greatest anime films of all time by Cameron standards or no, by, like, by like human standards? By human standards. <laughs> okay. Um, it's a super. T- I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the plot, and it's gonna sound horrible, <laughs> oh, but I need you to hold I'm on sure, for a second. I'm sure, I will. Uh, it's about a girl who falls in love with a guy. Okay. Typical setup. Okay. Um, but she finds out later the guy is part of this weird clan, or like uh, this weird bloodline in Japan that are basically werewolves. Um, she still loves him. They have two kids. Um, but on the way to the delivery room, the husband gets hit by a car and dies. And so now she has to, not knowing anyone else in the bloodline, has to figure out how to take care of children that turn into wolves every full moon. So baby puppies? Yes. Oh my God. And it's, it's so sweet and it's really sad. You know what? That actually and it's does beautifully sound animated. pretty good because it's taking that idea and turning it on its head a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I'm kind of on board for that. Also, when she, if you give birth to werewolves, is that, would that be called a litter? Does she have, yeah. Does she give yeah, birth? she calls them a litter. She does? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's weird. Well, it's only two kids. Yeah, so but it's, still, it's, it's a small litter. Still, but it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And it's really sweet and it's really sad. It's so sad. Okay. You know what? Fine, Cameron. I'll yeah. give you that one. Thank you. All right. If any one of our listeners <laughs> watches anime movies, they know Wolf Children, and they know how sad. And it's, I think it's Madhouse animated it, so it's like Madhouse is like the animation studio in Japan. Um, like more so than um, Studio Ghibli? Well, Ghibli does like the whole production. Yeah. Madhouse is just the animation studio. Oh, just the studio. animation studio. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Not the production company. Right. Okay. Uh, and anything Madhouse touches is amazing. Did okay. I make you watch Redline? I've never seen an anime film. Okay. I'm going to change that soon. I know. I know. And it's I, I, it's like, it, it's it's not for any good reason, really. Mm-hmm. It's it's. We'll start it, with Digimon, the first movie. <laughs> oh. oh. Great soundtrack. Great soundtrack. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's on your nerd soundtrack. It's on it your Comic Con soundtrack. I have a whole playlist because when I when I would drive down to San Diego for Comic Con, I would need a soundtrack to listen to. Because of course, sit in traffic for seventeen hours. You can always listen to podcasts. No, because then I get then I can listen to Pokemon to be a master. The the, the soundtrack, greatest soundtrack of the Pokemon franchise. No, that's not true. Pokemon the first movie has a much better soundtrack than Pokemon to be a master. I, I, I think you're just riding the high of actually having other real proper nerds to talk to <laughs> yesterday. Right? It, we were into our old friend Matt and he and Cam were able to just go back and forth about all this all this stuff that's way beyond my nerd Monica knowledge. Gucci. I know. It made me sadly aware of just what a terrible nerd friend <laughs> I am to you, Cameron. No, no, you were great. <laughs> uh, okay, let's let's jump into this because we, okay. we we went on um, a long tangent there. So the first one is Absolute Power uh, mm-hmm. from Superman. So it's the return of um, Jax Ur and Mala. Yes. Which I, from what I remember about them, I remember them being interesting ideas for characters, but not great executions or episodes. Well, they were kind of Zod. Yeah. I mean, it's basically Zod and Ursa. Actually, in fact... Uh, the voice actress. Yeah. This time around, they replaced the voice actress for Mala, and now it's Sarah Douglas, who was, in fact, Ursa and Superman and Superman 2. Oh. Um 
Did you find this general setup of them f- like accidentally getting taken out of the Phantom Zone and taking over a planet and Superman just happenstance discovering them worked? Did it work better for you than when they were on Earth? What did you think? Um, the the episode worked except for their explanation of how they escaped the Phantom Zone. Dumb as fuck. Yeah. I would have rather it been like the people on this planet were experimenting with multidimensional yeah. travel. I, and they happened to tear a hole in the Phantom Zone. Which would have made way more sense, because as is right now, it's just like they were observing two meteorites crashing near, right outside adjacent a to hole. a black hole, and somehow that tore open space-time right where Jack Stewart and Mala happened to be in the Phantom Zone, and they just stumbled out. Yeah. Yeah, and it's an advanced enough civilization that you could believe they would have maybe accidentally tapped into something mm-hmm. like the Phantom Zone. And they could have done the same tactic as what happened in the first time, where Mala... Is talking about how like she isn't is she isn't supposed to be here, and like she's wrongfully prisoned here. Help yeah. me get out. Do you do you think they were just trying to avoid retreading territory by maybe by not having? Because the thing is, if they had introduced the Phantom Zone technology on that planet, then they could have just tried to find a way to put them back in the Phantom Zone again. I guess that's true. Which they were clearly trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. So, man, I guess that makes sense. It just it was. You know, I've always have a problem with too many coincidences in stories. Yeah. Um, I forget where I first heard it. I feel like I first heard it in regards to Spider-Man 3. Like, you in any story, you're, you're okay buying into one impossible thing, right? So in Spider-Man 3, we're okay buying into this world where Spider-Man exists. Where Spider-Man can be so cool and all black. Yeah, but we have a hard time then believing that... Um, a alien life form happens to be on a meteor that happens to fall next to Peter Parker in Central Park. We also have a hard time believing that the guy who may have killed his uncle happens to fall into a particle accelerator and become Sandman. It's just like, if it's too many coincidences, we, we're fine with the impossible, not the improbable. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was my problem here, was that both the their breaking out of the Phantom Zone felt a little bit improbable, and also the fact that Superman would just happen to come across you know, people traveling through space from this planet next to a black hole. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we have today. Thank you for listening to Tim Talk. Um, so, yeah, Jaxor and Mala are, are picked up from these, from these scientists, uh, brought back to their planet. Which we never learned the name of. Uh, yeah, which is now deemed New Krypton. Yeah, you have a theory. I do have a theory. So the, who they might be, though. Yes. Um, so these ca- the, the inhabitants of the planet have orange skin with yellow eyes and kind of uh, almost like jet blacky purple hair, mm-hmm. which is the exact same appearance as Sinestro. Yeah. So this whole time I was waiting for Sinestro to appear because I also know the next episode we're going to talk about is Green Lantern. This is true. Um but it, it would be interesting if, like, that was, if that is what turned Sinestro. Like, if they, I mean, I, I wouldn't really want it to be around Superman and not around the the Guardians Let's for, see. for why he turned. So, Sinestro is a Korrigarian. I had to look that up. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, didn't know that? No, I just didn't know that. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Come on, you're the Green Lantern fan here, Cameron. Uh, I was trying to see if I could get more information about like what they look like, or if there's any indication that this could be sort of like, um, uh, wh- like uh, headcanon mm-hmm. that this is in fact his home planet with the DCAU. But I'm not. I'm not I think this planet blew up, right? That's usually the story for every Green Lantern that becomes a villain. 
Oh, I don't know. I, I sadly, I don't really know that much actually about that Green was Lantern. Atrocitus. His planet blew up. Didn't he destroy it though? Ah, uh, probably. Um, the one who replaced Sinestro in the Sinestro Corps, whose name is escaping me. It's, it sounds like Amarillo, which is Spanish for yellow. Okay. But I don't remember his actual name. Okay. <laughs> I think his planet also blew up. Okay. Well, maybe maybe our friends are the DCA Watchtower. We, if they're listening, let us know, guys, if this is a theory that exists out there, mm-hmm. is that the absolute power planet, a.k.a. New Krypton, is in fact Korrigar. Yes. Let's call it headcanon. Let's, let's just, do it. Let's just say it is. It makes it more yeah. interesting, right? Um, but yeah, Superman is out observing this black hole. And actually, so, again, I've pretty much seen all of these. And when I saw the the image of the black hole there, I immediately remember this episode and how it ends. Oh, the ending was terrifying. Least. Yeah. No, it's pretty nuts. Um, and I think the whole, you can kind of tell where I think they just really wanted to have a set piece around a black hole. Yeah. Which I think they actually did pretty well from that specific I, I wish it was more... Um, like not intense, but I mean, kind of like more urgent. Yeah. Um, because the I guess we'll just jump straight to the end. Because now we're talking about in the middle. Yeah, there's not that much. Uh, talk about they the middle, basically really. rule with the totalitarian fist because it's what you would expect. Yeah, it, I did think it was kind of interesting. Um, I meant to go back and, and re-watch this section to get the the quotes. I couldn't find it online. Um, but Jack Sewer more or less says something like, each person has, has a, a job, job fit for them according to their ability oh yeah according to our needs mm-hmm. which is a, a twist on from each according to his ability to each according to his needs from Karl Marx okay which that was very interesting that mm-hmm. I mean, th- that couldn't have been coincidence like that must have been a deliberate twist on that I thought, oh, it, was in- I thought it was very interesting that someone justifying a totalitarian regime would use communist mentality <laughs> to do so i don't know i thought that was kind of interesting well but i mean again socialism is totalitarian mm-hmm. not so not, not socialism um well fascism it doesn't matter yeah i don't know philosophy was a while ago <laughs> i'm happy that i just remember totalitarianism i've forgotten most of my government structures I, I, in the I, 10 I, years since i studied it uh i guess yeah government structure is a better way to put it i i yeah we had a philosophy class in high school that Whenever all these totalitarianism, yeah, utilitarianism, which I always referred to as Spockianism, it was what's utilitarianism? The need to the many outweigh the need to the few. That's <sighs> why it's also called Spockianism. Spock, yeah, I mean, I be- it's it's a great thinking. Mm-hmm. I know I've tried to use that before in arguments. People are always like, Bleh. yeah, yeah, it's a great rebuttal, right? Bleh. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, oh, I liked the after that speech, Superman gives the. The great comeback of if only someone down there would smile. Or oh, Jack was yeah. like, and everyone is happy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, sure. Um, well, yeah, because there's this this underground resistance because the pilots that Superman saves in the black hole are are part of this um, kind of military rebellion mm-hmm. that's going on in the background, and they try and convince Superman that he should join them and and fight Jack Sewer. And I I actually thought this was pretty interesting that he was willing to walk away. Yeah. I, um, I, w- I was going to bring that point up exactly, because Jack Sor says this planet is out of Superman's jurisdiction. Yeah. Um, and Superman kind of agreed. He's like, well, people seem fine. Well, it's not even... Because, yeah, he's like... He can see that there's something wrong, but as he tells... What's her bucket? I can't remember the character's name. Mm-hmm. But that if Lady he... Lady Sinestro. Yeah, Lady Sinestro. Uh, Sinestra. Yes. Uh, if... He were to try and take on Jack Sewer, like the battle that would ensue and the bloodshed that would be caused would be greater than any other wars that have happened on that planet. Yeah. 
And I liked that because that is how Superman would think um, when he's written by people who understand Superman. Mm -hmm. And it's true. Like he, like that puts him in this weird moral bind where he knows that in a weird way, it's actually better for him to leave than it is to stay and fight. Mm -hmm. And he's totally prepared to do that until he comes across robots that are going to invade earth. Yeah. Yeah. Until he has a, a motive that fits his life. Now, did you, did you think, because I had this thought when he goes down into the hangar and he opens up one of the ships and there are robots getting dropped into the ships. I was like, Oh, well he's going to fight that robot. Oh yeah. I was waiting for the robot fight. I was too. Cause well, like, that's what they always do. Well, the, actually the thing that, that kind of surprised me that didn't happen is when you see, so when Jack Sor and Mala come out of the phantom zone, mm-hmm. they're stuck in space and they can't breathe. Yeah. There's a claw that extends out to the ship. <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know, typical stuff. Yeah. The claw was a Brainiac design. Oh, yes, it was kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the the rounded triangle. Yeah, the, the three the three circle thing with like claws extending from each circle. It's called a trifecta. That's not right. Um, the triptych. No, triptych. that's three nope. paintings. Nope. <laughs> um, but yeah, when like the robots were going in, there were, it's like you could, I could kind of see a little bit of Brainiac inspiration in them yeah and i was waiting for like him getting into the computer and finding out that brainiac Brainiac had some hand in this yeah which i i wouldn't i don't think i would have liked because i don't know how to end that episode yeah you have brainiac and jaxor and mala then it just gets a little overkill but you don't want them to team up no you don't but i can see what you mean about i think we're so used to seeing connective tissue everywhere Mm -hmm. um because this universe is really good about doing that well. And often sometimes doing it kind of subtly too. And so I think yeah. we're looking for that. And then when it's not there, like the fact that you were like, Oh, is this Sinestro's planet? Or, Oh, is that Brainiac? We're used to seeing that. And then it's just like, Oh no, it's just coincidence. It's just right. part of the overall production mm-hmm. design. And it also is partly because like, we know where it all ends up. This is also true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, if I was watching this live, I probably wouldn't have made those connections. No, you wouldn't have thought about Brainiac. You're like, mm-hmm. well, Brainiac's still out there. Yeah. Out there somewhere. In um, that black hole, maybe. I mean, where, where is he right now? Because oh, he blew up the spaceship because he was trying to escape. Yeah. Okay. So last we saw of him, he was he blew it up. It was nighttime, but so he had been hiding out in Wayne Tech. I think. I think at this point he's off Earth. Yeah. Because I think the next time we come across him is his big like asteroid M style base. Oh, okay. Out in space, I think in Justice League. I mean, it's JLU. I think it's Justice League. I think it's Justice League. I don't remember. I don't know. But I think, so I think as of right now, he's off. I think he's basically just hiding out somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, <coughs> uh, so, yeah, so we have robots that... Um, <coughs> that he doesn't fight, which was a that surprise. He does not fight. Um, that are headed towards Earth. They have a, a, an armada. Yeah. Uh, and so Superman finally is like, oh, I guess I have to do something now. All right. Um now it's my problem. Yep. And so they go out. So I, I feel like I missed a scene. Well, I mean. Because the next thing I remember is them in space. They, he tries to. Oh, he gets knocked out. Fight and he right, gets knocked out. Right, he has the magnetic out. bands. Yeah, exactly. So then he and Sinestra, whatever her character's mm-hmm. name Lady is. Lady Sinestra. Lady Sinestra. Get strapped. Give her full title, please. Okay, I will. Lady Sinestro, a.k.a. <laughs> Sinestra. Yes. Uh, get strapped to the front of a missile that's going to get launched into the black hole. Um, and then we think it's curtains for Superman and his new ally mm-hmm. until the head of the military. Did you catch the voice actor on that one, by the way? 
I don't. I was too grossed out by the weird sexual tension between that guy and Mala. Okay. Real quick, I want to talk about that. I thought Jaxter and Mala were a couple. Me too. Like, that was... Wasn't it even just explicitly stated? In, I think so. In the first time around? I thought they said that, that she loved him, and that's why she followed him. Yeah. Even though he was crazy. Yeah. I mean, wait, who am I to judge? Maybe they have, like, a nice open relationship right. sort of thing going on. Maybe they're swingers. Yeah. Or maybe... They grew up in the 60s. Yeah. You know, maybe it's just at this point, Jaxor is so focused on ruling the planet that he's come to accept the fact that his lady love needs to find some loving mm-hmm. somewhere else. And why not in the arms why not of this, Sinestro? this very, very handsome Sinestro-esque alien-looking guy. Yeah. Uh, who happened to be voiced by Carl Lumley. Martian Manhunter. Got it. There we go. I'm surprised because like it's the same voice. I wasn't even. I I was hungover this morning, Chris. I wasn't God, thinking about anything. God damn it, Cameron. <laughs> I'm just gonna come out and say it. It, it right. was. I did not drink enough water yesterday. <laughs> I wish I could blame my just complete absent-mindedness right now. Also being hungover, <laughs> but it's just general stupidity. Um. Um. Yes. Yeah, so out in space, the guard lets. Uh, Freeze, Superman, and Lady Sinestra. A.K.A. Sinestra. Yes. Use the full title, Cameron. You, I, Lady Sinestra is a, is a compromise that I'm coming with. No, I, ref- coming I refuse. Okay. Um, so now we have the urgent thing that I was talking about 10, 27 minutes ago. Sure. Um, of They are in a black hole. They kind of broke the routing system. So that the... The navigation? Sure. <laughs> what did I say? The routing system? They, they're trying they, to they're trying to reconnect to Wi-Fi, Chris. They, they broke spaceways. Yes, <laughs> it's a big problem. Um, the the, uh, the navigation system, which the primary console is clearly tied into, uh, every electrical and power conduit and fuel line and structural integrity system yeah. in the entire ship. That's how my GPS is. Yeah, that thing has a a rapid decay. Yeah, when one console gets broken. Um, yeah, so they so the guard breaks the nav system, frees them. The two of them, uh, Lady Sinestro and Sinestro Guard Number Two, mm-hmm. uh, escape in the escape pod, and then we have the big fight again. Yeah, between Superman and Mala and Jaxor. Uh, and yeah, and with the urgency thing, like the ship is slowly drifting towards the black hole, and as we know, with black holes, that the closer you get, the faster you get. Yep. Um, I would love for that aspect to come into it. Mm-hmm. Um, the The ship is also exploding yeah. around them while they're getting pulled into the black hole. But it, while all that's happening, everything seems so... like There's still a fight scene. Yeah. But everything around them still feels so calm. And also, there's like a good dozen or two workers on there's the other ship people. still. Yeah. yeah. I guess sacrifices? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and the, this is the bloodshed. The Superman was referring to. Yeah. But it's fine. It's like only a dozen people. That's acceptable losses for him. Right. Yeah. Spock would be okay with that. Yeah. Um, so then they go out in space and Superman is holding his breath while finding them again. Yeah. Uh, and he punches them into the black hole pretty much. Yeah. They, they hit something and fall into the black hole. Yeah. They're trying to get into an escape pod and uh, they're just not. Yeah. Superman like throws a rock at them or something and they get knocked into it and they get, I mean, it's a pretty intense sequence when they like get pulled into it and they like stretch out and mm-hmm. like spin and get and drawn in. Yeah. Uh, but I, it was I, really creepy. It was pretty creepy. That's what I remembered when I first saw the black hole. I'm like, Oh, I remember how this ends. They get sucked into it. 
um, and then never appear again because presumably they're dead inside the black hole. But I do see what you mean. Like this is actually a very cinematic setup for the climax of a movie. Mm -hmm. Like if you have people on a ship that is falling apart as it's drifting towards the black hole, not only is there a ticking clock, but the ticking clock is increasingly getting shorter Yeah, because it's drawing in faster. People are trying to escape. You're trying to stop the villains or whatever. Like it, it's, it's almost to jump back to the real heart of this podcast, almost Spielbergian in just the level of detail that could be built into it. And just like the, the level Let's of intensity. Let's go over how Spielberg would make this how, episode. How would he do it? Yes. I mean, he, he is a big fan of Rube Goldberg-esque yeah. action set pieces. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's see. Um, we don't have to go into this. <laughs> this episode is now worth Spielberg time. This is true. Uh, but I, I, I do see what you mean about it being a cool idea that they didn't really pay off on. Mm-hmm. Because we've, we've had plenty of other movies and cartoons go into the escaping a black hole trope. Yeah. Um, and also, just to jump to the beginning of the episode for a half second, Superman can easily fly out of a black hole. We see him push an entire spaceship. Yeah. Just with his jet boots and his strength. <laughs> Which my immediate thought out was... Of the, out of the, the gravitational pull yeah. of the hole. My, my thought was, wouldn't his ship have more powerful thrusters than his boots if he had no. to push something out of there? Nope. Yeah. You can tell that they were really uh, particular about avoiding anything genuinely scientific in regards to how the physics of a black hole work. Yeah. The closest we got was that 3D model that they kept popping up every now and then of like the, how this how this is what a black hole does. It goes oh, yeah. in and down, Boop. and that's it. Yep. Yeah, it, it it's it's just all powerful, right? It mm-hmm. takes control over everything that was, it touches. That was a I liked that quote a lot. I did too, actually. Yeah, uh, Mala said uh, a black hole is one is one true ultimate power. Everything it touches becomes itself. Yes, except Jaxor said it. Who did I say? Jaxor. No, you said Mala. Did I say Mala? I meant Jaxor. Yeah. Okay. Get off my ass. Get off my back. <laughs> um, I refuse. And then the the last quote of the episode, which I thought was really good, was Superman leaving the planet. He's like, you guys taught me something very important, that evil trumps. Triumphs. Evil triumphs uh, when good men do nothing. Do you know who said that? Uh, Superman. I just said yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Edmund Burke stole that quote from Superman. Yeah. After watching this episode. He's he like, did. That's good. That's, That's good. That's really good. I assume he said that after this episode, yeah. before this episode. <laughs> so he got in a time machine. He did, yeah. Yeah, he just uh, he went into the future and hopped into a time portal, and mm-hmm. it was all good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, again, interesting idea. I think this is the problem with so many of the Superman episodes, right, is you get this feeling like they had a really good idea, and they didn't quite know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's a, interesting to bring back Maul and Jack Sword. Like, this would have been a much better episode as... As someone, as a space superhero, so yeah. as a Manhunter, as a Martian Manhunter episode, as a Green Lantern episode, yeah, um, this is a Green Lantern episode because they go <laughs> to Sinestro's planet. Then it all would have made sense. Yeah, it would have tied together in this perfect little bow mm-hmm. and could have chucked into a black hole. Yeah, because Superman in space is never done well. I feel like. No, I mean. Uh, the introduction of Lobo, those were pretty. Hey, so those were pretty good. good. But even then, yeah, he's only in space for a small portion. You know of what? It. Batman did this better. 
What did Batman do? In, Bra- in Batman Brave and the Bold, oh. I want to say episode three, or maybe two, he teams up with Blue Beetle. Okay. Uh, and they go, uh, they warp to another planet that is being oppressed by superpowered people. Uh-huh. Um, and it's great. So then Blue Beetle and Batman have to find a way to stop them while convincing the people that their rulers are bad people. That does sound pretty good, actually. And it's great. Yeah. Because then at the end, spoilers, they uh, they see Blue Beetle as their new god. Yeah. And it's really fun. Um, it's like the uh, the opening of Star Trek Into Darkness when they swoop in to save Spock and yeah. then the, the, the native people like start drawing the ship. Mm-hmm. They, they worship the Enterprise, as everyone should. As everyone should. Beautiful ship that it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, what what a surprise that someone else did this better than Superman the Animated Series. Right. Um, but and of all people, it's Batman. It's all people, of course. But Batman does everything better. Mm-hmm. Batman makes Superman episodes better, too. Yeah. Um, it's fine, though. Yeah, it was all right. Did you... Pref- which one did you like better, though? This or Cult of the Cat? Oh, gosh. I was not a big fan of Cult of the Cat. It... Oh, can I pick neither? Yeah, you can absolutely pick, pick neither. Neither. <laughs> neither of them are really good. I would skip a, this whole a very, very good option here. Yeah. Um, yeah, because Cult of the Cat is... Um, it's actually our last episode with Catwoman. Oh, really? Kind of sadly. That's fine. I don't like this costume. They keep making her head too big. It is It is weirdly because large. Because it's like... Because there's... Uh, you can tell when it's different animators, which is never a good thing for animation. No. Uh, because when it's a uh, when it's a wide shot, they basically give her like, uh, oh god, what's the villain in the Green Lantern movie? Um, oh, Hector Hammond? No. Yes, I think so. Is that well, I guess that I'm pretty point. sure that's right. I, having not seen it, I know, but yeah, I think you're right. Um, sure. Um, they they make her like the yep. top half of her head so bulbous. And it looks so weird, especially with the pointy ears and the slender chin. I hate her look <laughs> in, in a couple of these scenes. It's not, it's not great, though. And, and we've talked about the fact that when they brought her back in for the new Batman Adventures, they really lessened what made her interesting. Yeah. Because in, in Beethoven, she was very dynamic because she was actually trying to do the right thing a lot of the time. She was trying to go straight, and she just kept going up against... Uh, obstacles preventing her from getting on like straight and narrow. Right. And here they just have her having fallen back into a life of crime. Yeah. She's just a common thief. Yeah. Now it makes her less dynamic, but I think as a character, she still has personality though. Like Mm -hmm. I like her when she's on screen. Um, And what I also like too, is that Batman also kind of conveys our similar disappointment. Like when he sees her now, he's just like, okay, you're just stealing again. Like, why would I go to a way to try and help you? Like, yeah. he he conveys that sense of feeling betrayed um, because they were so close and because she had so much potential and clearly had just fallen away from that. I see this as um, Loki from Thor 2. Okay. Of all she's trying to do is get her way and manipulate anyone that's going to get in that way and yeah. get in that path. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's beyond the scope of her character to do that. Mm-hmm. It makes her less interesting, admittedly. But, you know, not... It fits, too. Like, that would be an arc that could happen to Catwoman, where she would try and try and try, and eventually be like, fuck it, I'm just going to go back to doing what I know I'm good at, and I'm just going to look out for myself the entire time. Yeah. Um, and go to any means necessary to achieve her ends. So it's a shift from where she was, but it's also one that I believe. Mm-hmm. In the same way that I could buy Penguin trying to go, you know 
straight and opening up the club and filling in this different niche in the underworld, I can believe Catwoman having decided to just become a thief again. Well, with Penguin, we actually had a whole, we had a whole episode about that where he tried to go straight. Yeah. Um, and so we did get to see that struggle, and that would have been great to see as Catwoman. But we did see that, though. I mean, because she did. Like, there was that whole episode. I don't remember which one it was, but, like, she it starts out with her on trial. Oh, okay, I know. Right, yeah. About. And it, it, so we never, okay, we never saw her. I think it's with Red Claw is the villain in that I think, one? was that the cat? I think that was, yeah. Because I think she suits up again to try and stop Red Claw. Mm-hmm. So we saw her struggle with trying to become a hero. We never saw her just tip back into full-on crime. I yeah. don't believe been a long time mm-hmm. so we missed that transition but i can believe that it happened right even if it's less interesting sadly yeah but i think she's still fun though she's okay um i honestly i just can't get around how how bad she looks in this <laughs> in this art style see i again i always have a bias towards the new batman adventure style i do too i love every other character redesign except, except the Riddler. for her and riddler yeah because yeah. he's bald yeah i don't know why fuck bald people <laughs> there you have it folks cameron finally revealed his strong opinions yeah about the hair impaired yep i'm not gonna go into that anymore <laughs> Um, so the plot of this episode is Catwoman steals a statue, a cat statue, which I feel like we've seen this cat statue before. Sure it looks yeah. very familiar. It looks very familiar, yeah. Uh, from a cat cult. Yep. Uh, an ancient Egyptian cult that worships cats. Yes. And that's, that's as well as I can explain it. No, that's, that's, a, that's as well as explained in the episode. Yep. Yeah. So she, she's trying to run away from them. They keep following her. So eventually she just hops into the Batmobile. It's like... Hey, Batman, you going to save me? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I'll take you to jail. I'll try and help. He, he's like trying to be helpful, but he also kind of realizes the futility of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But he still does it anyways. Yeah, because he has to. Because he has to. Because he, he does try to be the, a good guy. And she's kind of the one that tips the balance for him a little bit. I think, I think he loses some of his resolve a little bit in regards to her. But, but I mean, to be fair, though, we have seen him go out of his way to try and help other villains in the past. Yeah. You know, like he um, he went out of his way to help uh, the ventriloquist, mm-hmm. to help Harley. Um, not Poison Ivy. He not, hates Poison not Poison Ivy. Ivy. He refuses no. to help Poison Ivy. Yeah. Now we see more of that um, in the new Batman Adventures. There's a little bit softer side of him if he really wanted to try and help people. And so I think, he's, yeah. I think he, he, like, he wants to try and help, but he also realizes that it's pointless. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the cultist sends out... A couple Black Panthers with yep. uh, Wolverine claws. Yeah. To There's to f- a reason they have those claws, which I'll get to in a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, is that what Catman uses? Yes. Okay. There's also another character that uses those claws. Wolverine? Yes. <laughs> no, there's a third one. <laughs> Who's the third one? Uh, his name is Vega from Street Fighter. <laughs> you don't know? No, I have no knowledge of the Street Fighter universe. Okay. He's like yeah. this, I want to say he's French. Okay. Spanish. Spanish, okay. maybe. Vega. Um, he wears a mask to cover his face. Oh, wait. Uh, he has this long, beautiful, flowing blonde hair. This... And he doesn't wear a shirt. Well, hang on then. Let me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. I saved the best part for last. Yeah. <laughs> you should bear the lead, why don't you? Oh, okay. Let's take a look at this here. Oh, okay. Well, I do know this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got the um, 
like the the white what would you what would you call that kind of mask um, like a phantom mask yeah it's kind of like a like the court of owls they use kind of the same mm-hmm. sort of mask sort of thing going on yeah he's got claws i wonder um, if that was oh ever God, like this, a functioning weapon this this fan art here gives him quite the butt um hmm. Oh, yeah, because he's, like, the seductor of mm. the Street Fighter universe. Mm. Uh, but, like, was that... Because I tried to Google that, if that was a real weapon that was ever used by some form of martial artist. And I couldn't... I didn't really find anything. Oh, um, like the, those, those claws? Those Wolverine yeah. claws? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, because, yeah, uh, Catman does use them, because Catman's in this episode. Yes. Which is crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know if they're an actual... Th- thing or not that oh my god is this the uh, i'm just looking at different photos of vega i think this is him from what i'm assuming was the newer street fighter the legend of chun li with Kristen crook yes oh my god that is a horrible looking design that's worse than like gi joe yes level of costuming right there mm-hmm. oh it's real bad okay I need to just, uh, just look at all right okay so batman and catwoman are now running from the cultists they capture them well, hang on. There, there is kind of a fun moment, though. So they go to, like, a, a cat food factory or something like that. I forget what it was. But Batman is looking up the cult for mm-hmm. a brief moment of exposition. And then, of course, the, the cult finds them. And Catwoman decides they're going to escape through the furnace. Yeah. I thought that was kind of a fun set piece. Like, we know where it's going. Obviously, they're going to let the, the well, furnace fire. They're yeah. going to get escape through the top. But I thought it was... It was kind of fun. It was fun to see Catwoman insist on climbing up the top of it herself rather than just getting carried by Batman. It's a very cat thing to do. It is. And then, of course, they, they do light it, and it goes up. And so Batman, like, increases the speed of his uh, zip line and just grabs Catwoman. But even, like, when it explodes up at the top, like, the whole, if I recall, like, the whole animation kind of goes white. Mm-hmm. And they kind of fly off to the sides. It looked really cool. It was very pretty. Yeah. Yeah, it was very pretty. And it's just that, that felt like a very just Batman moment to have in an episode, which I, I really liked a lot. Um, but that was also followed up. I thought was another really interesting idea is that, so Catwoman gets kidnapped and or captured after mm-hmm. the explosion, take it back to the cult. Catnapped. Cat. Sorry. Yes. I didn't mean to. No, you, you meant to <laughs> just own it. <laughs> just lean into it. Lean into the puns, Cameron. Never give into the puns. Never. Uh, so Batman takes the, the last remaining henchman. And I thought this was interesting. He takes him to the Batcave. To interrogate him. I missed that whole scene. How did you miss that whole scene? I, I know what you mean now, because now I remember him st- standing on the, the edge of the cliff. Yeah, he's at the edge of the cliff. I, I completely missed that he took him back and, to the back cave. Batman... Okay, that makes so much more sense now. Batman, like, hiding off in the shadows somewhere, just kind of, like, is calling out to him. His voice like, echoing good through interrogation. the bat cave. Yeah, he's like, oh, like, your favorite animal is the cat. Let me introduce you to mine. And just, like, swarm of bats fly through. And knock the guy off the edge of the cliff, and Batman, you know, grabs him with a rappel line and winches him up. That's a really good moment. That was a great interaction. And I just thought it was scene. interesting that he would actually take him to the Batcave. It's something mm-hmm. he really doesn't do ever. Right. Um, he usually does it over the city, but I, I mean, we can just just write. He up to he, it. he had that line written down. You did. Of like <laughs> your favorite animal is is the cat. Let me show you mine. But he could never get the bats to come into Gotham with him. Yeah, right. And so he's like, I, "This is my one chance." Do like, you do you think he sits down every once in a while with a notebook and just writes out what oh, he's going to say? Yeah, to I'm sure he has a notebook people? for every villain, every yeah. major villain. Well, he has puns ready. Yeah, this is the man who his whole thing is about having contingency plans for every possible situation. Yeah. You know that includes his interrogation methods. Oh yeah, 
do? He's like, okay, well, he probably has like a flow chart. Yeah. It's like, like, do I want to rhyme cat and bat? Or that's too much. That's, yeah. That that takes away the gravitas yeah, like, okay, of the situation. Uh, yeah. Does the does the villain have some sort of like animal themed persona? Yes. Okay. Got does it. it rhyme with bat? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Take him to Bat Cave. Yes. Interrogate him with bats. <laughs> Can I go to a sporting goods store and get bats? Yeah. <laughs> no? Okay. Yeah, but, scratch? Nope. 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 <laughs> Is he also sports-themed? Nope. Scratch? Okay. Normal bats. Sportsmaster. <laughs> Just the Sportsmaster page. Yeah. Do we want to do a bat versus bat joke? No? Okay. I'll try something else. Oh, he would find a way. He would find he a way. He absolutely would find a way. It's like, oh, I've seen your bats. Now meet mine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Come fluttering out. <laughs> Um, yeah, so while all that's happening, uh, Catwoman is at the cultist place again. Yeah. Um, where she just seduces her way to the top. That's what she does. Yeah. You know. Um. It's a gift. It is. But it, it kind of really denotes, uh, Catman, Thomas Blake. Denotes? That's a word, right? I don't think you're using the right context. I don't think I am either. I, th- I think trying to sound doesn't, smart. Doesn't denotes indicate like it um, plays down? No, like I think you doesn't announces. No, I think I doesn't denote like it's. Just, yeah, it's like an indication of. Oh, then yeah. Are you thinking demotes? Maybe what I'm trying to get to <laughs> is when they were when we got our expedition exposition in. <laughs> shut up! Shut up! I don't need this right now. It's early and I have a kickball game in an hour. <laughs> um, it really plays down. There we go. Um, the uh, how like scary and powerful the cult leader is, Blake. Yeah. Because Batman even says like he's a crazy lunatic who takes stealing very ser- who takes theft very seriously. Yeah, because that's what we find out about this whole cult is that they worship cats and they're all about stealing. Mm-hmm. So Catwoman's like, oh well, this is just they should m- praise meant me. for me. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know, I never found him too threatening from the beginning. But I feel like they should have because, like, even Batman said because Batman knows crazy, yeah, like he true. deals with the Joker. Yeah. And he's calling this man crazy. So I wanted like that level of insanity. Yeah. Like he doesn't just like praise ca- like the last scene where the saber tooth tiger thing uh like jumps out at him. I wanted him to like fall to his knees and be like I accept you kind of crazy. Yeah, but I don't think he's actually that committed to the whole thing. I know, but he should if Batman calls him crazy. Cuz even he his be. um his number two, I don't think she actually has a name, kind of calls him out. And it's like, like really? Like, mm-hmm. you're just going to let her into this this cult without having gone through any of the rituals, any, you know, any sort of, like, sign-up commitment or something like that? I think he's just gets off on the power of it all. He's thinking, of, he's thinking with his dick. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's a problem. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Um, so... Batman goes to try and rescue Catwoman, and she 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 knocks him out to try and then like drag him out to safety. But of course, she gets caught. And it's like, oh, he was trying to rescue me, so they're just gonna sacrifice him too. So they dump him down into this this big underground pit, and they unleash yeah this massive. They said it's a genetically altered cat. Yeah, um, that's the strongest of its species. Yes, now and it's just a saber tooth tiger. It's just a saber tooth tiger. Basically, did you have the same thought I did in that? We look for connective tissue. Were you kind of hoping they were going to make like a Farmer Brown reference? No. Um, 
I was ready for a cat. I was ready for like um, Jaguar from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Wait, there's a character named Jaguar? I'm pretty sure that's his name. I don't think there's a Jaguar in Mortal Kombat. There's one in one. It might be in Tekken. There's definitely a Jaguar in a fighting game. Oh, wait is is there is there a Jaguar? I don't think so. I know who I'm talking about because he has he's a man that just wears a Jaguar mask. And I it, I might be Tekken. I think it's Tekken. I mean, I, I know I know like pretty much all the characters that were in. Oh, I think it's this guy. King from Tekken. That's his name. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. He's basically. That's what I wanted. He's just 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 a luchador with a jaguar's head. Yes. That's exactly what what I wanted. When the the door opened, that's exactly what I wanted. Oh my God. I love. I love this one. This one right here in the middle, where his head is like way too small. Yeah. For the rest of his body, and it's just a normal jaguar. (laughs) What the shit? This is a thing. Yes. And he was my my favorite. Wait. So is he wearing a mask, or is that his actual head? I don't know the lore. I think well it looks like an actual jaguar head on top of his body. I think this it is. is bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what you're hoping would be in the pit? Yes. Was just a dude with a jaguar's head? Yes. You know what? I would have preferred that, too. Mm-hmm. It would have been better. <laughs> God, what the hell? I will say, though, I will say I loved... Because so uh, Catwoman does quickly decide she's going to jump in and help Batman, mm-hmm. which I did like. I like that even she's willing to acknowledge that she's got to give him a hand. So she, she jumps in there to, uh, to help him out. And what I did love was that there was a nice, um, like, uh, they brought back her ability to just, like, hang out with cats. Because in the beginning, she's racing through uh, a good hedge maze. And I always love a good hedge maze. Right. And in the center of it is a panther, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. Um, and Bulgara is Bulgara. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And she very quickly was like, Oh, nice kitty. And the Panther's like, okay, you're cool. I like you. Yeah. And then he goes after all the other henchmen. I like the fact that that would have been just a good moment, even as a throwaway moment in there, just kind of for, for fun and mm-hmm. just to play off of her own persona. I like, they brought it back around again. She does the same thing with the saber tooth and then gets that cat to go after all the cultists. Yeah. That was actually pretty fun. Mm-hmm. So, I'll give her. I'll give her that thing. I'll give her that little moment. Um, but yeah, then Batman basically just gets into a tussle with not quite Catman, right? And with Vega. With, yeah, with Vega. Okay, now my my. I don't know why I'm having so many fighter game references today. I don't know. It's because we was because we played Rampage. Is you, are you just I guess like so. this? I'm like in the, I'm in the zone now. <laughs> Soul Calibur, Street Fighter, Tekken, uh, Blue Blaze. Blaze Blue. Blaze Blue. Is Blaze, it. Blaze Blue? That's Blaze a, Blue? That's an actual game? Oh, it's so pretty. I've never even heard of it. Marvel vs. Capcom. Oh, wait. Blaze Blue is Marvel vs. Capcom? No, no, no. It's separate games. I'm just oh, listening off oh, more fighting God. games. Okay. Wait, what's, what's Blaze Blue? It's very pretty. It's, like, it's very animation-inspired. Oh, okay. Yogi's... Yogi's having a good over time there. over there. Just just scratch himself on the, the carpet. Flopping oh. around a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, oh, this is pretty. This is gorgeous looking. Uh, so I think at the end of the episode, they tried to say that uh, the Sabretooth fell on Vega's Wolverine claws and also died. No, they don't. What? No. You see him, like, panting after falling into the pit. Well, yeah. He, like, he he leaps. Batman tries the same, like, nice kitty thing, and it, it works. Mm-hmm. And so the Sabretooth jumps at 
Blake and they fall into the pit. My, I just assume that they both got knocked out by the impact. But if he was, if he's really the genetic peak of cats, he would have landed on his feet. Yeah, I know. But unless he was injured, what do we? I don't know. What do you want? What do you want me to say? <laughs> I wanted to say they killed a cat in this episode. Well, no, and I'm calling PT, PS, PSA. Peta. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Can we just get to We're cat not, plugs? Here, I would have thought on a Sunday morning you'd be like sharper than on a Sunday <laughs> evening, but I guess not. <laughs> Hang on real quick. But no, they didn't kill the cat because he's going off the Gotham Zoo, which I'm just curious what that exhibit's going to look like. Where the fuck do you put this massive saber-toothed tiger? I don't know. I it's w- probably in the... They probably have a new dedicated section of just giant genetically modified animals. Yeah. It's the Super Zoo. It's the Super Zoo. Yeah. The regular all- Gotham Zoo is free. The yeah. Super Zoo is where they make their money. Yeah. And then, of course, all the cultists get arrested. Um, and then Catwoman gets her happy ending. Yeah. Kind of. She she takes off with a whole bunch of the stolen goods. With like everything from the cultists. Yeah, and heads off and gets herself a nice uh, flat out in Paris by the Eiffel Tower. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, so my understanding is, at least based off the, the bit of trivia that I read, this is the last appearance of Catwoman in the DCAU. Okay. Um, so this is her happy ending, I guess. Do you think it fits? Yeah, I don't like it, but it fits. I don't know what else they could have done, though. Like, because they... Throw her in jail. Throw... <laughs> All right. There we go. There you go. The Problem end. solved. Throw her in jail. Done. Um, Hit her with the book. Yeah. Throw the book at her. Um, That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's hit her with the book. <laughs> so... It is worth noting, we did mention this before, that uh, this is our only appearance of Catman in the DCAU. Um, I only realized this this morning when I watched the episode, and I scrambled to try and get some notes for him, and I really couldn't. Um, but like he, he seems to kind of be one of those villains that falls in that category of like a killer moth. Like mm-hmm. No one seems to take him seriously. Actually, at one point, he did team up with a whole bunch of other like third-rate villains. They called themselves the Misfits, one of whom was also Killer Moth. Hmm. But I guess he's been like a, a Green Arrow villain at times, and I, I feel like that they brought him back, um, in like not too long ago, like the Secret Six or something like that. And I think he was actually taken a little bit more seriously. Um, but his whole origin is that he was a millionaire, like game hunter, and he oh, got bored with board. this, yeah. and so he decided to just become a cat burglar. And he modeled mm-hmm. himself kind of as, as a combination of Batman and Catwoman. He has catarangs. Which Amazing. is fantastic. And what I what I love though is that, you know, so his his suit is traditionally like yellow, orange, and brown. Um yeah, you can go let yeah, Yogi in. He's he's all he's all mopey. He doesn't want to be out here with us. I understand, Yogi. I get it. Yeah, that's good. Okay. But so his his suit is usually um like yeah, like yellow, orange, and brown. I have a little yet Lego of him where it's like brown suit and he's got the, the Wolverine claws. <laughs> um but he does use those like bladed claws as one of his staple weapons. Yeah. So that's why I think they had an appearance in this episode. Um, but I'm surprised you haven't mentioned yet the other famous animated Catman. Oh, Adam West. Yes, from the Fairy Odd Parents. Yes, I was going to talk about that. Yeah, playing a version of his own persona mm-hmm. from the 60s Batman TV show, but he is modeled exactly like Catman from the DC comics. He's basically wearing the same suit. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah, when you when you said he wore yellow, yellow and like browns, that it, it reminded me of 
Yeah, it's so like here's a cover, like one of the detective comics way back in the day. That's amazing. And it's a yellow suit with an orange like cowl, and that's exactly what it looks like in the Fairly Odd Parents. I was trying to think of, I hate that I can't remember his name because he's one of my favorites. Um, in the jail, no, yeah, in JLU, he is the guy who trains Black Canary. Wildcat. Wildcat. <clears throat> Thank you. Yeah. Um, Grant. No. Um, Ted Grant. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Sounds right. Uh, he sounds like a good pair up with, with Catman. In what sense? Like they should fight each other because they're both cat based. Yeah. We should go off the, the Marvel origin film format and just have two cat themed villains fighting each other. Exactly. <laughs> no, Wildcat's not a villain. Sorry. Whatever. Yeah. Fine. You're not the only one who's slow this morning, uh, Cameron. No, I just mean like that'd be like a good villain for him. Of like they're both normal people. And like it's then it could be like a rich verse, like the upper class versus battle of classes. Class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it could be kind of interesting. Um, like, I don't need your gosh darn gosh darn gadgets. Yeah, well, because we get I got my fists. We get a bit of Wildcat in the JLU. Mm-hmm. Um, I always love Wildcat's appearances. Yeah, he that character has a really great appearance in DC New Frontier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know all about it. Yeah, you know all about it. <laughs> I liked it too. Uh huh. It's great. Um, it, I, do you remember he showed up briefly? This is Wildcat we're talking about now, not mm-hmm. Catman, mind you. In, in Arrow? In Arrow, for yeah. like a couple episodes. You feel like they were setting him up to like be part of the big team up at the end of season two as he's mm-hmm. training Laurel, and then he just completely disappeared from the plot entirely. Yeah. Which is kind of a disappointment. It is. But was, I love, because Wildcat's in JLU, he's in Brave and the Bold, but some great episodes in Brave yeah. and the Bold. Well, he's kind of an interesting guy because he he's... Like one of the few holdovers from like the golden era that it becomes a mentor for a lot of like the Silver Age characters. Excuse me, Silver Age characters. Yeah. Yeah, he basically is like the trainer for all of them. Yeah. He's the one that teaches combat, like basic hand to hand combat to everyone. Yeah. Cause does he appear in the um the episode of JLU with Roulette where all the the female heroes go into the cage fight? Is he in that episode? I I don't does he ever get like an actual so. episode on his own? Or is he just kind of always in the background? He does know. in Brave and the Bold, not okay. in JLU. Because Brave and the Bold, he gets the same storyline as the Roulette episode. Oh, where he okay. is the one who's fi- he's the one fighting in the cage matches, and Black Canary has to go. Black Canary and Batman have to go and talk him into like, no, you're still a hero. We still like you. It's pretty awesome, actually. It's a great episode. What? I didn't, I didn't watch Brave and the Bold. You do. I really do. We should have bought the box set yesterday. Oh, fuck, we should have. Yeah. Yeah. What am I doing with my life? Um, <laughs> just yeah. get past that question. <laughs> huh, nothing. That's how you're doing in your life. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think have we have we talked enough about cats. I guess at this those, point, Bozy uh, long to bat plugs. Let's let's knock it out. Okay. Uh, what do you got to plug? Uh, I finally saw Tomb Raider. Oh, okay. We, we yes, about. I did want to talk. We, we you know talked a little bit about this, but I did mm-hmm. want to talk about it. Yeah, we can we can speed through it real quick over on the podcast. So yeah, the world can hear our thoughts. Yeah. Um. <sighs> I liked it a little more than you did. You did, but you also haven't played the games. I've not. I think that's part of the problem. Is as the one making the superhero, as the one making the video game references today, has not played the video game we're talking about. Exactly. You know, because I I really enjoy those games. Mm-hmm. Um, just the 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 mechanics of them are really fun, but also just like they, they have like pretty decent stories. Um, and 
the parts of the Tomb Raider movie that I liked were the parts that were letting themselves be their own movie. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's like in the beginning when we like first meet her and she's like working as like a bike courier and there's that weird like bike chase scene. Yeah, it's kind of dumb. The great scene from uh, Premium Rush. Yeah, exactly. It's just a rip off of Premium Rush. It's a Rush. great movie, but so it, underrated. It's you know it's kind of a dumb scene, but it's it's kind of fun and playful and I, I don't know it fits that character. So I, I kind of liked all of that. Yeah. Um, but then I liked it basically up to the point where she gets onto the island and then it was just, the pacing of it was really weird and you could see where they were just like shoehorning in parts of the comic. Right. Where like, so she just, she just, thank you. Yeah. From the the game where she's like, just grabs a bow and arrow and just starts using it randomly or, you know, a big part of the games was having that axe and Mm -hmm. that axe becomes like her main tool for a huge part of it. Like she uses it as a weapon. She uses it to like, you know, climb along, like along walls and to jump and grab onto things, which is like shown in the trailer um it's kind of a, a, a huge asset for her and they just kind of like casually just toss it in at the end as sort of like oh and by the way like we're just gonna throw this in so we can have a moment in the trailer where she has it to try and be like hey it's just like the video games um and my real big problem and i suppose this is the only real spoiler here if you don't want to know i guess jump ahead like a couple minutes um is she is a skeptic about all this all the way through and then there's no mysticism whatsoever. Right. And that really bugged me because that's the whole point of the, the games too is that everyone's kind of like, oh, this probably is not a real thing. But in the end, there are actual mythical elements. Like there's big stone soldiers and stuff. And mm-hmm. I get that they were trying to do something different in the previous movies. But for me, that just basically just set her up to be a spy. And I was like, no, that's not her whole shtick. Yeah. That's not the whole deal. Like what sets this apart from like a James Bond or something like that is that she actually has to like fight mystical elements. Well, we, we did talk about that briefly before of the idea of every other movie of this genre just does it better. Yeah. So like you, cause clearly, uh, Laura Croft is meant to be the female Indiana Jones. Yeah. Uh, but like there's, I don't know if they were trying to not be like Indy, mm-hmm. but you can definitely see the inspiration for Indy. You can see like national treasure elements yeah and we mentioned another one well the mummy mummy yeah that was the big thing that's that's why i was worried with the mysticism part is is it was just going to turn into a mummy film but i think what that would have been a possibility i think what could have worked here though was in the mummy the mysticism is set up right from the beginning yeah so we know that it's real all the way through and we're just waiting for the heroes to catch up to that Mm -hmm. here we don't know up until the end and i feel like at the end it should have been a real thing yeah um, and then, cause even in the first Tomb Raider, I feel like, I mean, she goes like, it's like, it's like, like the time triangle thing at the end. And like, I guess it doesn't go full on mythical until the very end, mm-hmm. but it's set up pretty early on that there's an element of that there. Yeah. Um, and this could have been just like, I, it's, it's kind of like they were trying to like subvert our expectations and in doing so they just were really underwhelming. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was fine. I would still rather watch this than Wrinkle in Time. I still haven't seen Wrinkle in Time. It's fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm still very bitter about I'm it. Probably not going to bother with that one. That's all right. I, I would be curious now. I might try and go back and rewatch the old Tomb Raiders and see which ones I like. Oh, more. yeah. I, I, I suspect I might like the old ones actually more. I have very little memory of the old ones. I know I've seen them, but I don't remember them at all. I mean, I remember them pretty well. I remember being really excited for the first one when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, it'd be, go back, it'd be fun to go back and watch... Uh, an American and Angelina Jolie play a Brit, and then also a Brit and Daniel Craig, a very young Daniel Craig, play an American. <laughs> so, um, the other thing I want to plug really quickly is I talked to you about it y- yesterday because we actually talked yesterday. I know. Um, 
is there's a, a great video on YouTube from Channel Frederator, which we've okay. plugged a few times a before. A number of times, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's the title, the, the title of the video is, was Atlantis supposed to be road to El Dorado? Oh, right. Um, and it kind of goes over that, that fight between like the twin movies of the, of between DreamWorks and Disney, where you had DreamWorks come out with ants at the same time as Bugs Life. You had Shark Tale and Finding Finding Nemo. Nemo. You had, um, what was uh, the one that won? It was The Wild. Oh, uh, The Wild and Madagascar. Oh, you right, had right. Um, Flushed Away and Ratatouille. <laughs> uh, so they briefly go into that. But what I think really, what I found really entertaining from the video was going into Kratzenberg. Who Katzenberg? Wa- Katzenberg. Sure. I'm working on it. Uh, who was. Think, think the whole rest of the episode. It's Katzenberg. Nope. Not Kratzenberg. Um, who was very high up at Disney. And who a lot of people give praise to for starting the Renaissance. Mm-hmm. Um, he was fired from Disney in '95, and basically the second he was fired, he teamed up with Spielberg to create DreamWorks. Yeah, because I didn't realize DreamWorks SKE stood for Spielberg Katzenberg Entertainment. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck! I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, like it, it goes over into just like how bitter he was. About leaving Disney. Yeah. Um, there's, also, there's also like a lot of really cool gems about it, but I'll let you guys listen to it so I don't have to talk about the talk about the whole video. Oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. I do want to check that out though because it does sound really interesting. It was really cool. I love hearing about like old Disney things. Yeah. Anything inside baseball with Disney. Yeah. Cameron's on board for. It's my, it's my, it's what I dream about. Yeah. Uh, what are you watching, listening, reading? Uh, I really haven't had time in the last week to read anything new or watch anything new or listen to anything new. That's okay. Um, but given that we were just at Comic or WonderCon, um, I guess I can mention like some of the the booths that we stopped by and got some stuff from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that really sweet uh, Batman Beyond jacket that I'm wearing and the the photo we put up to Instagram with uh, with the two Camerons at WonderCon, <laughs> I got that from Luca Designs, um, and it was originally suggested to me by our, our good friend Jeb that I had to go check this thing out because they do like Batman, they do like a Star Lord jacket, they do some really cool stuff, and then yeah, Cameron, you and I were there, and I was like, nah, I shouldn't buy this, and you're just like, yeah, you should buy it, you should buy it. I'm like okay, I was I'll being, buy it. I was being your responsible conscious yeah exactly so i got that it's it's pretty sweet i have to admit i like it a lot uh mm-hmm. i always try and stop by uh prism comics when i'm at any sort of a con because they are like one of the premier um queer i guess publishers but also like aggregators of different queer comic content mm-hmm. um so i picked up a comic that i haven't started reading yet so i'll wait to plug that until i've actually started it um, but they're they're great. So if you always get a chance, go check them out. And they have really cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one, oh, actually two more. One is uh, Icky Pop, where mm-hmm. I got my uh, amazing She Man pin uh, that you recommended, and then you got a couple pins too from them, right? Uh, yeah. They they just had like generic geek content. So they yeah. had like a, a funny Son Goku pin from dr- the original Dragon Ball series, uh, and then um, what was the other one that I got? I already forgot it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, yes, that was good. And then the, the last one, of course, I almost forgot about, and you had to remind me of it. Because it was the best booth. It was the best booth. It's gays in space. Yes. Three A's on each. Uh, and they kind of came together to celebrate the first 
queer, openly queer character in Star Trek, which didn't happen until Star Trek Beyond. 50 years. 50 years after, into the franchise. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, eventually that that's kind of spilled further along into Discovery with like the first gay couple on screen. But, uh, you know, for a, a series known for kind of pushing the boundaries of inclusion way back from the beginning mm-hmm. uh, with Ahura, with Chekhov, um, they've always been a little bit slow on the upkeep in that particular element. And so this was, they, this group kind of came together to celebrate that, but also then to do uh, different events just to promote queer characters in sci-fi in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess they're doing something like the day after this podcast comes out in LA. <laughs> so I can't go. I have something else on Wednesday, but it'll be in the episode description. So I guess you can go check it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they do like touring stuff and they, they partnered with a whole bunch of um, like stars of the show who have like, the various shows have come around to the events and sort of that. So, but they had a real fun uh, booth set up where you could get photos with gay Kirk and a whole bunch of rainbow tribbles. Mm-hmm. It was pretty fun. I, I wish I'd kind of bought one of the rainbow tribbles. Eh, I'm sure you can get them online. Yeah. They also had that amazing shirt that was set phasers to fabulous. Yep. Oh, it was pretty damn good. But yeah, we talked to them for a few minutes, uh, a cool group. So uh, yeah, go check them out as well. Yeah. Um, but I think, that does it. Do we make it? Do we make it to the end? We made it to the end, unless you have more thoughts on either Cats and or oh, Steven God, Spielberg. So many more thoughts. <laughs> I talked about Spielberg. For Has days. Spielberg ever done anything cat themed? I'm sure. Yeah, we'll eventually get Steven Spielberg's version of the musical Cats, and it'll be amazing. Uh, there was a cat in Animaniacs, which he produced. Well, oh, um, Rita, right? Rita was the I cat. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Not important. I don't know. Why don't you guys write to us and tell us what the name of the cat was? From <laughs> yeah, also tell us what we got wrong because I'm sure it's a lot in this episode. Sure, yeah, this episode especially, it's a, a lot. But yeah, we are at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and a Gmail. Yes, I am at Lordifer on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we had posted a few things from WonderCon. Or we'll be posting a few things from WonderCon. But mm-hmm. I know you posted more, Cameron. Where can they find you? Uh, you can find my face at Cam Dexter underscore Adventures. <laughs> Uh, you can find my videos and my animations, and you can you can see if I finally post something for Ready Player One by Friday on Cameron underscore or Cameron dot Dexter, uh, and you can see my shirts and stuff and more WonderCon stuff. Cause I think I posted most of it to Core Memories. Yeah. Uh, if you want to see my other company, you can follow at Core Memories Co. on Instagram. Yeah. And so our next episodes up are In Brightest Day. Yes. So Green Lantern and then Animal Act, which I looked it up, and it's uh, Dick Grayson going back to Haley's Circus to try and solve uh, a mystery. Um, but it's very possible our episode next week might be a spoiler discussion all about Ready, Ready Player, Player One, One, just a bonus episode for that alone. So uh, it's going to be one of those two things. Mm-hmm. But uh, as always, thank you very much for, uh, for listening. Mm-hmm. We do appreciate it, uh, especially when we ramble on like idiots. Yep. So we're sorry. <laughs> for always very sorry. Awesome. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hey, listen to Sequel Squeal, the podcast where we watch a movie and all its sequels, right, Benny? Yes, you are correct, Chad Foglin. Right here on the Nerdist School Network. Yay, us. Yeah, we're done. That was good. <laughs> the Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit nerdistschool.com.